Good morning. Um, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, The scripture reading is from John 10, verses 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mimi, for our scripture lesson this morning. And for our worship band as well, um, always a blessing to us every Sunday morning. We're grateful to have you here today. Now, Mother's Day, you got a lot of things happening, a lot of places to go, but we're glad you're here for worship today because um, it's always a great day to be in the house of the Lord together with one another. As we um, prepare for worship, I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer together as we uh, heard these words that God's Spirit might help us to apply them to our lives. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you. For your word. It is a light into our path at all times, all places. And as we hear these words, God, and seek your meaning for our life today, I pray that you would help us. Enable us, O Lord, to be shaped by your word, to be shaped by your Holy Spirit in this place. We just invite your spirit to come in, make us, create us into people you call us to be. Use this moment, God, to make us new. We offer our lives. We ask you to open our hearts, our minds now, as I ask you to use me for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. I love the story about a young pastor who is getting ready to preach his very first sermon. And as he's preparing for his first sermon, he uh, seeks the advice of a retired pastor that he respected and knew well. And he goes to this pastor, and this retired pastor tells him, you know, when you stand up to preach, you, you need to do something that captures the audience's attention. And so you might try to do something that really grabs their attention uh, in the first part of your sermon. Just maybe try something like this. Some of the best years of my life were spent in the arms of a woman who was not my wife. And he, as he, he was smiled as he looked upon the young preachers, looked like, what? You know? And then he continues by saying, she was my mother. He goes, oh, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I'm going to try that on Sunday morning. So he gets up that first Sunday morning, and he's nervously clutching the pulpit, and he, he looks at the congregation. He says, some of the best years of my life were spent with a woman that was not my wife. And he smiled as he saw he had the congregation's attention. And then he began to panic inside as he had to confess. But I, for the sake of me right now, I can't remember who she was. <clears throat> he forgot the punchline. <laughs> Now, today we do remember our mothers, and uh, we give thanks to God for the blessings they have been upon our life. But uh, this morning, I want to focus our attention on something that is at the very heart of mothers. Uh, I think this is something mothers give their life to, they give their heart to, and that is the subject of the family. Yeah. Keeping a family together in today's world can really be a challenge, to say the least. I love how one guy put it. He says, family life teaches you loyalty, patience understanding, perseverance, and a whole lot of other things you would have never needed had you stayed single. (laughs) Yeah, it's difficult (laughs) keeping a family together these days. Uh, But, you know, God's Word doesn't leave us alone in that process. Uh, God gives us lots of help. Uh, If you read God's Word, you find there's all kind of instruction how to hold a family together and how to develop what I'm calling this morning a Christ-like family. What do I mean by that? Uh, By that, I'm not talking about trying to create a perfect family. I mean, I'm not talking about having your children all turn out perfect and everybody behaves perfectly. You know, and then I, that kind of family does not exist. 
because none of us are perfect, right? There is no such thing as a, a perfect family, but what I'm talking about is how we can experience family life in the way that God intended it to be experienced and how we can become families that are able to withstand the challenges that are facing us in the world we live in today. That's what I'm after. Um, You need to recognize that we believe that of all the people that you are called to be Christ-like to in this world, there is none greater than the ministry you have to your families. Uh, what, What I hope each of us leave today is the conviction that there is no greater ministry that I have than a ministry to my own family. Now, I recognize that uh, those of you here today, some of you uh, may not have children, or you may not have children at home, your children might be all grown, some of you may be single, and, and are at different places in your life with this, and so you may be thinking, well, what is this going to say to me? I mean, how is this going to apply to my life? Well, I believe that uh, what we're going to be talking about today applies to all of our life, regardless of what family dynamic you may be in, because... Um, We're going to be talking things that I think speak to the present of where we are or where you may be. It also speaks to the future of where you may be because we're going to be dealing with what it means to treat others in a Christ-like way. Now, that permeates family, uh, traditional family roles. That's the people that you're influenced around. Now, this scripture passage that we have before us today, it's obviously not something that Jesus is speaking specifically to families about. He's not doesn't have that in mind. But I think there's something he says here that can uh, relate to us and, and our families, and we can all benefit from as families. Because this passage, Jesus is talking about his relationship with God the Father and God's relationship to us, the sheep. In this passage, we're the sheep. And what I want us to understand today is that the way that Jesus relates to his Father and the way that God the Father relates to us is the model. It is how we are supposed to relate to one another when it comes to the context of being in a family or any person that we're connected with as the family of God. And so I want to try to define a little bit of what is a family. There's many definitions of that, but I think today most people have this picture in their mind of that traditional family, you know, that you got the, uh, the one mom and the dad with children from that marriage, and you got a dog and you got a cat and you know, maybe a goldfish or something else there. But uh, the truth is, that in our society today in the United States, only one out of six people live in that kind of traditional family role model. That's one out of six. Uh, most families today, or most people, actually live in what we call blended families or single-parent families. And um, <laughs> what I want you to understand is that regardless of what family dynamic you're a part of or what consists for your family, what God wants for you is for that family system to be the healthiest, the, the most blessed, and the strongest that it can be. That's what God desires. The censor. Again, now? There we go. They describe it. The family is, or people, the Census Bureau says their fam, family is people who live in the same house. Um, others might say their family is consists of those who have the same last name. Well, in the church, we believe that a family is much more than just people who live in the same house, have the same last name. A family is Christ like to one another. It's Christ like families. Again, what do I mean? That, well, that's what I'm going to talk to you now about. You can write these things down. I think they're helpful to remember. I'm going to list out several characteristics of what a Christ-like family actually looks like. It'll be fun to, to look at that for your own family. 
First of all, Christ-like families listen to one another. Listen to one another. In verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. You know what the biggest obstacle in communication is today? It's not that we have an inability to say what's on our minds. Most of us are pretty good at that. We have this refusal and this reluctance to listen to another person as they say what's on their mind, right? It's as Stephen Covey says. He says, many people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Your conversation with others? And you know that that person is not really listening to you because they're concentrating on what they're going to say after you're done talking in response to what you said, right? This is how it goes. I love how Proverbs 18.30. That is his folly and his shame. And yet, doesn't that describe how most families listen to one another? That's how most families, uh, children with parents and vice versa or with spouses And I think that's why we're having such a breakdown in our family today when it comes to communication, because nobody's really listening to one another. Chris Conway, how um, he has two teenage sons, and he says that um, they got involved in a youth group at church, uh, and they were very excited about this new youth group they were part of. And so um, as they... One afternoon, he says, well, tell me about this new youth group. What's, what's so great about it? And one of the older sons says, we can really care about us. By the way, they listened. Caught his attention, kind of stuck his pride a little bit as a dad. And so Chris says, what do you mean? I mean, I'll listen. And the oldest son said, yeah, Dad, but when, when we talk to you, you're always busy doing something else. So all we ever hear from you is yeah or no or I'll think about it. Sound familiar? Listen to his uh, children uh, more closely. And so when they got together for supper, uh, what would happen was uh, they would... And whenever one of the sons would start to talk to him, what he would do was stop. He'd put down his, his fork, utensil. He would turn, he would look at them. And then he listened to what they had to say. He said revolutionized his relationship with his sons. It did things about his sons that he had never learned before. His average time for his meal during supper time, they went from 10 minutes to 45 minutes was the average time they ate together. Uh, he learned all kinds of stuff. Sons began to feel valued. They began to feel loved by their dad. And a bond began to develop between them that indeed has lasted a lifetime. Well, that same thing can happen within the when we take the time to listen to one another, to value each other in that way. Secondly, Christ-like families one another. They get to know one another. I, I find it amazing that people who live with the same last name in the same household for years end up not really knowing one another. I actually did a, I spoke at a family conference. Uh, we had a little retreat we had for our, one, of, one of the churches I served, and we, we invited the, uh, the young people, the children of these families. I spoke to them in the morning, and then I spoke to the parents later on in the afternoon. 
And when I had the youth and the children there, I asked them to ask questions. And the questions were things like, uh, what is your favorite color? Uh, what is your favorite television program? Uh, what is your favorite recording artist? Uh, what is your favorite hobby? Um, where would you like to go on vacation, your dream vacation? That kind of stuff. And then their list to it, and, and then they signed their name, and they gave it to me. And then when I had the parents come in, the, the children were out, I, I said, I'm going to give you all a little test. I'm going to uh, read these answers on these questions here, and I want you to see if you can guess which one is your child. Out of 24 parents, <laughs> only three got them right. Only three were able to identify their own child. I'm thinking, you know, here, these people live in, with the same last name, the same house all these years, and yet they're virtually strangers to one another. In verse says this about his family. He says, I know them. He says, I know them. Folks, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we serve a God who knows us. Uh, our relationship with God can be something that is intimate and personal. And this is what God desires for us. It's as the psalmist says in Psalm 139. Our relationship with God, this is described here, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. God knows us. He longs to know us. He longs for us to know him. And that same kind of intimacy, that same kind of knowing and relationship with, we have with God is what the God desires for us to have with one another in the context of our families. Listen, I moved out of my parents' home over 30 years ago. And um, just like many families, we don't spend the time we should perhaps together with one another uh, now that we're kind of on our own. But we do talk a lot on the phone. My dad and I, um, we struggled to connect with one another during those teenage years, and so we never got as close as what we should have been. But my mom and I have always been very close. Uh, my mom knows me like nobody else, even today. And when I have something happen, I can pick up the phone and call her. And even though I've been out of her house for over 30 years, she can tell instantly from the sound of my voice if something's bothering me or not. That's because we know each other. In Christian to be more people that have the same last name that live in the same house. We're trying to be people who know one another. You know, what a blessing it is to be known, to be understood by the people who are closest around you, to love one another that much. Lord Jesus Christ. We're submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you want me to use that one? <laughs> I may have to use a horn's mic here. Let's try this. See if we can get this going. Got a on here? All right, good. Um, another characteristic is that Christ-like families that they are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. In um, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep follow me. My sheep follow me. You see, in a Christian home, we recognize that we're not about just trying to make up our own rules along the way in life. That's, that's not who we are. We live to a certain path. We're called to follow a certain path in our lives together. We live to a certain set of values and standards, values that are established by Jesus Christ. 
our Lord. In such families, there is an important distinction between teaching our children obedience. Um, it's not the case of trying to get our families to, our children to um, adhere to our rules. It's about the whole family living under the values and the rules of Jesus Christ. We live under the authority of Jesus Christ within our families. In other words, in all of our dealings with one another, parent, children, spouses, uh, extended families, <clears throat> we, we live according to God's will for us. We try to treat one another according to God's will. As Joshua said, as it is for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is what distinguishes us from uh, non-Christian families, is we live under submission to the door of Jesus Christ. Over the years, my children have seen me stand behind pulpits and stand up in front of church congregations all of their life and preach. And I hope that they've learned some things about uh, the Christian faith along the way. But I'm always mindful of the fact that the greatest lessons of, that I can teach are not from the pulpit. Our greatest lessons are taught in the course of everyday life. In the events of everyday life, my children begin to realize how serious I am about serving Jesus Christ with my life and following him. They see how I live out my faith in the good times and the bad times. They, um, they see how I treat others, my spouse, especially them. Uh, they pay attention to if what I say is different than what I do. Am I really living out what I preach? Now, by no means am I perfect at that. In fact, I fail miserably at that most of the time. But what I hope is that over the course of life, they will begin to understand that I am trying to live a life that is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the values that I challenge them to live by, I also am challenged to, trying to live by my own. What do your family see when they observe your life? Christ-like families, they strive to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then Christ-like families also live with the perspective of eternity. I mean, Jesus says in verse 28, I give them eternal life. It's as we read in John 3.16, those who believe in him will not perish but have life everlasting, eternal life. I mean, those who live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they live with this assurance and with this perspective. God wants us to experience joy, to experience hope. He wants us to have a sense of purpose in life and the perseverance that comes from living with the perspective of eternity. That's what his hope is for us. And this is what we try to do within the, co children, the context of a Christian family. We spend a lot of time trying to motivate our children to um, pursue the American dream in life. But you know, it's not enough for our families, our children, to um, go to the right schools, get the good grades, uh, get a good job, make a lot of money. And that, that's important, it seems. <clears throat> but if our families and our children grow up thinking that the goal in life is to strive only for themselves, to get as much as they can out of this life as if this is all there is. Then we're setting them up for failure. We're setting them up for disillusionment and no hope to really hang on to when things get tough. You say, well, I don't, I don't teach my children that. <laughs> Where do you think they learn it? It's from us. 
watching us. Those who live with the perspective on eternity live with a sense of purpose that is beyond themselves. Um, They understand that what I do is not just about me. That I am called to live a life where I'm seeking to fulfill God's purpose for my life. I don't know how many of you keep up with football over the years, but if you know anything about college football, you you remember a team called Oklahoma Sooners. (laughs) Uh, Some of you might be fans of there. But uh, back in the 1980s, this was a program that was just, you know, it was a disaster, really, back in the 1980s. <clears throat> to put it bluntly, it was out of control. You had uh, recruitment regulations weren't being abided by. Uh, players were being exploited. You had uh, just a lot of things happening there. Uh, a significant percentage of those graduates were not even graduating. Uh, they were Many of the players ended up in jail or legal trouble. And in fact, it, it was said that uh, someone once said that you need to make a deal between the university officials and the uh, prison officials to let them wear the same number in prison that they had on the football field. It was that, that kind of program at that point. Well, into this um, program came a guy by the name of J.C. Watts. Some of you may know him, but uh, he actually was a quarterback <clears throat> for the team, and he led the team to two consecutive Orange Bowl uh, victories. Now, what's interesting about his story is that here was a guy who had the same challenges, the same um, hazards and things going on, influence and temptations that all these other guys had, and they ended up in trouble, and yet he didn't. What, what was going on there? I mean, he, he actually graduated, graduated with a uh, degree in journalism. He uh, went on to serve in the Canadian Football League. He returned back to Oklahoma, and he uh, served as uh, he ran for public office. Uh, he was uh, elected to the House of Representatives within the Republican Party and was given several high um, visible type of um, uh, assignments in the Republican Party. He was even considered to be a um, presidential candidate at one time. He established numerous um, charities and charity events throughout the, the nation. So you have to ask yourself, what was the difference? What happened in this guy's life that was different than so many of the others? I'll tell you what it was. It was the influence of his family. Uh, his family, the, the spiritual values they gave to him made the difference. His, his father was a pastor, and so he grew up knowing that he was called to live a life according to God's will, a perspective of eternity. Now, when you hear him talk today, it's, it's very clear that he seeks to live his life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He makes no bones about it because this is how he grew up. He grew up with a family that was committed to spiritual values. And that made the difference. I think this is the gift that we are called to give to one another in the context of our families. Another characteristic of Christ-like families is that they offer one another security. Security. This, Jesus is clear in this passage that uh, he has a long-term commitment to his sheep. If you read this passage, he says in verse 28, he says, No one can snatch them out of my hand. I love that verse. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus does not consider you part of his family just as long as it's convenient to him. Uh, As Paul says in Romans chapter 8, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing. So this is something I think we have to remember and we need to communicate this to our children and our family over and over again on a regular basis. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any more and he loves you right now. There is nothing you can do to earn his love. 
There's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore than he does right now. It says in, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, God demonstrates his love for you that while you were yet a sinner, even though we sin and are sinners, God still loves us so much that he's willing to die for you. God loves you beyond anything you can imagine. I once heard a young person say, you know, after everything that I've done, I'm sure God has disowned me. How tragic. At the age of 16, he thought that God only loved him as long as he was good. People, this is not how God loves his family members. Jesus says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. There is security in our relationship with Jesus, and there should also be security in our relationships with one another in the context of family. Our family needs to hear that message over again regularly. There's nothing that you can do to make me stop loving you. Of course, there are consequences (laughs) to your actions, but I will always love you. Jesus offers us that kind of security in our relationship with him. This is how we are to do with one another. Jesus gives us his never-ending love, his never-failing protection. And we are called to love one another in the same way. Finally, Christ-like families have a bond of of unity with one another. Uh, They have something that brings them together. In verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And I think what Jesus is saying here is, he says, I and the Father are of one purpose, of one mind. God's purpose was his purpose. And being a part of God's family means that we, we share in that purpose as well. I mean, God's purpose is for this entire world, everybody, to come to know the saving grace that comes through Jesus Christ. And as members of God's family, that is our purpose. We share in that purpose. It's like we as a church have a mission statement that we are about making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's the common mission that binds us together as a church. Well, what is it that creates a bond of unity within your family? Do you have a sense of purpose together? What are the dreams and the hopes that you share with one another? It kind of drives what you do. As it says in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, without a vision, the people perish. What is it that creates a sense of unity, a bond within your family? Sometimes that happens just in families focusing on doing things together. They have common interests that they they share together. Families need to do things together. They need to go places together. They need to create projects that everybody believes in. They need to set goals that everybody can uh, be a part of and that that can share those, those goals together. I know that's a stretch for a lot of families who don't even sit down and even share a meal together. I believe that if we we, uh, pursue God's purposes together as a family, that creates and strengthens that unity and that bond with one another. This is important. It helps us not only become more than just, you know, names that have the same last name, living in the same household. It helps us to uh, develop into what we call that Christ-like family. All of these characteristics we talked about this morning, they point to the relationship that Jesus has with God the Father and that God has with us. And in that relationship, Jesus gives us this example of how we are to live with one another in the context of family. Families should be listening to one another. Families should know one another. They should follow God's will together. Families are people who seek to grow together spiritually. 
they um, try to, to do common things together. They love one another unconditionally. They have common goals and purposes together. It all really comes down to this. Families, according to God's model, are not to be simply have the last name living in the same household. Christ-like families are a group of people who are committed to Christ and to one another as God is committed to us. And that's my hope. That's my prayer for all of us, every family that's represented here, whatever makeup that may be. I believe that's God's will for us. Let's pray together. Dear God, it is so hard in this world today to, to be a family, to maintain that closeness and that unity, um, to live in the way that you call us to live. And, you know, it's, it's hard enough just to be a family, God, but to, to try to live like you teach us, that's, that's doubly hard. There's so many things that would pull us apart and lead us in different directions and destroy us. So, God, help us to commit ourselves to living in the model that you showed for us, to try to be that a Christ-like family where we can experience the joys and the blessings of knowing one another, listening to each other, growing together, being in unity with one another, and most of all, giving glory to you, God, so that others might come to see the, the way that you want us to live. God, in the middle of families, we hurt one another, and so... Um, Thank you for your grace and your mercy that allows forgiveness to be possible. Help us, Lord, to be able to forgive one another so that we can move beyond the pain to a future with hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.